Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. It is good to see you this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. You know, I'm really not a sports person at all, but I really love it anytime Bowling Green High gets beat. It, it, it's just, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do we have some purples in the room? Uh, go ahead, lift your hand. We'll pray for, yeah, those of you. Yeah, just a few. And the others of you are too ashamed to, to raise your hands. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Warren Central back in the 80s, and Bowling Green High was just like, oh, gosh, you guys are so mean and ugly. And, uh, and so it was just fun to root against you then, and it's still fun to root against you now. I, I'm sorry you guys got beat. Not really. Um, but go South Warren, y'all. Go South Warren. That is great. We got guys. Yeah, we got guys on that team. So go, go South Warren. It was about 10 years ago in November, probably about 10 years ago today, when I first shared uh, publicly what the Lord was saying to me privately, and that was what has come to be known as the 2020 vision. I felt very strongly that God wanted our church to somehow be a part of planting or partnering to plant 20 new churches by the year 2020. Now, in 2007, 2020 sounded like a long way off. It's sounding closer now. It really, really is. But gosh, it's kind of amazing to stop and realize that at this point, after 10 years of obeying God and following this vision, we have either planted or partnered to plant something like 12 churches, you guys. Something like 12 churches. I would make the list for you. Yeah, let's, let's, let's thank the Lord for that. I wanted to publish the list, and, and I guess I still could. It's, it's just that most of you know there are a number of partnerships that we have now in places around the world that are not safe for missionaries, safe for the gospel, or welcoming of church planting. And so those are names and places that we simply can't publish. We don't make them public because that would endanger the very people that we're trying to, to help. If you haven't caught on to this pattern yet, all of the easy places to plant churches in the world have been taken. Uh, all the easy places are now pretty well covered, and the only places left are hard places, and that's just the truth of the gospel and the, and the truth of the world. Uh, the easy places are taken. We've gotten the gospel to all the places where you can walk or drive or just walk right in with the marching band. Now we're talking about the places that are close to the gospel, the places that are dangerous for missionaries, and the places where uh, we send people at sometimes great risk. So let's be in, in, in prayer for that. But about 12 churches. Not all of those are churches per se. We put church planters on the field. We're supporting church planters who will eventually plant churches, and I'm sort of counting those in the 12. I'm counting last week our newest partner who, uh, who spoke last week. He's pretty fantastic. He'll be going to one of those places around the world that is not welcoming of, of gospel, of, of Christians, of church planting at all. So God bless him. I, I won't say his name in public, uh, but we continue to pray for him in our hearts, and, and, and we root for the day when a church is planted there. It, it's just pretty fantastic. Let me remind you that what we call the 2020 vision really isn't just like a big goal, if you're thinking of it like that, because that's never been what it is. It's more of a revelation. It, it's God's revealing to us what is possible, just what is possible when his unlimited power is met by our total obedience. So it's God just giving us a picture of, 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 of what could happen if we step up with total obedience and we know that he will show up with unlimited power. When we do that, when we do everything that God is asking us to do as a church, but as individuals, then what's going to come from that, among other things, will be the planting and establishment of something like 
20 churches by 2020. It's, it's, it's that revelation of what is possible, but it depends upon God's power and, of course, our obedience. Can we talk about obedience this morning then? Because it's the most important part of the puzzle. Some of you say, Pastor Tim, I don't know how to be a part of the 2020 vision. I'm not a church planter. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what part I could possibly play other than to give and to pray. And we want you to give and pray. That, that's the biggest part of it, honestly. But, but you're not understanding yet what we're talking about when we say that this church together has a vision and depends upon the obedience of every one of us. It depends upon your just listening to God and following God and what he's asking you to do. It's just that simple. Let's talk about that. The question today becomes, what is God asking you to do? And that's when we turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. It's a pretty good-sized book right after the book of Isaiah. So turn there. And let's look at how Jeremiah was called, and then we can learn something about how you and I are called as well. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4. This is good. I love this. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Okay, let that settle. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down. Others destroy and overthrow. You must build up and plant. I knew you, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart. That's the calling of Jeremiah. In the telecommunications industry, they have something they call a mass call event. Are you familiar with that term? A mass call event. Look it up in Wikipedia. Wikipedia defines a a mass call event as one of those moments when a a large number of people in the country all pick up their phones and call at the same time. Now, honestly, if you look around, people are on their phones all the time, so it would seem like these days it would make not much difference, and it really is making less difference than it used to, but it's still a significant thing when everybody all at once tries to make a call, And, and there are moments when that happens, mass call events. If there's a particular kind of disaster, for example, after the the Boston Marathon bombing, for example, all the people around Boston started trying to call out to tell their families that they were okay and people were trying to call in. And it happened just like that. All at once, everybody picks up their phone and tries to call in or out of Boston. And it it overwhelms overwhelms the system. Back in the day when American Idol was kind of really, really popular, at the the end of that uh, episode when they would flash the number on the screen and tell you to call and vote, well, like, like millions and millions and millions of people w- would call all at once. But at the same time, they'd pick up the phone and they'd dial that number. And, and like 30 million people at a time could call. And it would overwhelm the system. So honestly, AT&T and the other big companies, they try to anticipate and they try to somehow prepare for those moments when there's a mass call event. When everybody all at once is, is making or, or, or getting a call. 
I, I like that idea because I want you to understand that right now in this room, right now in the cafe, right now if you're in the sound of my voice, there's something of a mass calling event happening. You understand what I mean? There's a mass calling event. And it's not that you're all picking up your phones and calling. And this is the best sermon ever. Or it's a disaster. And we're okay, but it's a disaster. No, it's not that sort of thing. It's the fact that God is calling you. And God is calling me. God is calling all of us at once. It's sort of a mass call event. You understand what I'm saying? God is calling. God is speaking. And he's, he's dialing into your heart. And my heart. All at once. Now, this is always the case, but it's particularly important when we talk about our purpose, our, our calling as a church, because this is all of us together. Now, it's kind of difficult to talk about the, the big church and the purpose that we have as a church, because the church is just the people. So when we talk about church, we're talking about you and me, and, and there's nothing more complicated than that, and there aren't any extra people. I mean, it, it's me and you. It's us. It's Woodburn Baptist Church. It's our partners. It's all of us together. We are the church. So to say that we have a purpose, to say that we have a vision, to say that we have a calling together, it's just, it's just trying to put together the, uh, the sum of, of all of our individual callings, all of the things that God's calling me to do and you to do. When you put all of that together, there is a cumulative effect. There's a cumulative purpose. And, and there's a there's a cumulative harvest to come when all of us together answer this call. See, what you have to understand is you're not born by accident. You're not born somehow under the radar and God didn't know about you. You just sort of slipped out. No, no, no. It's plain from what God says to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you. Now, you're probably thinking, well, well, he's a prophet. He's got a book of the Bible named after him. Surely God knew him. You've got to understand, God knew you as well. God formed you also. I, I knew you before I formed you, God says, before you were born. I set you apart. What's it mean to be set apart? It means that God, God, God put a mark on you. At that moment, God already had a purpose for you. Before you had born, before you had taken your first breath of air, before you had filled your very first diaper, God already had a plan for you. He knew you. He formed you. you understand this? Can you possibly understand this? You have a calling. But your calling, your purpose is not something you decide. It's something you discover. Now, we have to make this clear because so often as you're growing up, your grandma says, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, and, and you feel like this is just a decision that you get to make. I don't know. I, I might be a veterinarian. I might be a doctor. I might be a ballerina. I, I don't know. You just sort of go through all of your options and you feel like you're deciding among options. But, but, but understand before you were born, before you were even formed, God already knew you. He'd already set you apart. You have a purpose that comes long before you even arrived on the scene. So your purpose is something that you discover from God. It's not something that you decide. In this passage, God calls Jeremiah out. He says, I, I, I know you. I've known you forever. I knew you before you knew yourself. I formed you. And I called you for a purpose. You're going to be my prophet. You see, he responds to a calling. It's not as if Jeremiah went to one of those you know, career fairs at the university and he walked among the tables. He was thinking, I don't know, maybe graphic designer. I don't know, that looks good. They make good money. I don't know, but you know, profit. No, I don't know. Profit, graphic designer. You know. It doesn't work that way. 
You don't decide your purpose. You discover your purpose because it's already there. God's already placed that purpose upon you. He's already set you apart. It's not any decisions for you to make here. You just discover what God has for you. Now, if you think that doesn't sound like freedom, if you think that doesn't sound like a very good way to, to discover your life, then you're missing the point. Understand, God formed you. God made you. He understands what makes you tick. He's the one who gave you these talents, these abilities, these desires. He put everything in you that's in you. So he already knows exactly where you're going to find the most happiness, the most fulfillment, the most joy in life. He knows what you'll be most useful at. He knows what in the world is going to fill you up. He knows, he knows, he knows what's best for you. And this doesn't mean it's going, be, it's going to be good for you kind of in the same way that eating kale is good for you. It's no fun, but in the long run, it's better off for you. No, no, no. No, I'm telling you, what you most deeply desire is exactly what God has planned for you. You just need to discover that and let him lead you toward it. You discover it. You don't decide it. You discover it. Well, Pastor Tim, how do I discover it? I want to discover it. I want to know. How does it work? Well, it's not complicated. You listen to God. You just listen to God. When you listen, God speaks. Honestly, he speaks all the time. But I'm just telling you, when you begin to listen, you'll begin to hear God speak. He's going to speak to you. Pastor Tim, I've been a Christian for years and years and years. I've never heard God speak to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I know when you say that, you believe that. And I know that you feel like you're like the only person in the room that doesn't hear God's voice. But I just would argue with you. I, I would say that God's been speaking to you all along. Now, in some ways, you have to live with God. You have to remain in his presence. You have to learn to recognize his voice. You know, one day this week, I got a phone call. I say, hey, Pastor Tim, how you doing? I was wondering if I could just stop by the house. I'm thinking, well, I don't even, I don't know if you can or not. Who is this? Like an axe murderer? <laughs> you coming by to rob me? I don't, I don't even know who you are. I mean, you know, and it's kind of embarrassing. You have to go, you know, you might can stop by. Who is this? You know? Who is this? It's a person I just had never, you know, talked on the phone to, but I'm not used to his voice. So when I first hear his voice, I, I can't even recognize it. Now, if that guy would, were to call me multiple times a day or every day, or if he just got in the habit of calling me off and on, eventually I'd learn his voice and he could just say, no, stop by the house, you know. But in the beginning, when the relationship is still kind of new, you have to learn to recognize the voice. And it's the same way in your relationship with God. You have to learn his voice. You learn his voice by listening to his voice. But, but beyond that, you have to do what he says. Obedience is a, is a part of this. You have to listen and you have to obey. Because often the, the point is not really that you're not hearing. It's just that you don't want to hear. Because you know that if he says something, it's going to probably mess up your life as you had it planned. And you just would rather walk through life going, I'm just not hearing anything God's saying to, to me. Because hearing involves responsibility. It always involves responsibility. The other thing is that we, we like to have everything laid out in advance. I'm, I'm telling you, 10 years ago, we said 2020 vision, y'all. I, I was about to wet my pants up here because I couldn't see how in the world that could happen. And honestly, still, I mean, time is ticking away, and, and we still have a long way to go. And, and, and it, it, it's sort of a frightening possibility that we could get to 2020 and we could fail. 
It, it really, really is. I, I worry. I, I want to know how, Lord, where are we going to get eight more churches, eight more partners? How will we ever have funds to, to support that? How is that going to happen? I have no idea. And, and honestly, looking way down the road is enough just to paralyze me. It's enough to make, make me not want to take the, the first step because I'm worried about all the next steps to follow. But, but, but this is what I'm telling you. You don't worry about what comes next. You just concentrate on what's happening now. Y'all ever volunteered at like a, a youth or children's lock-in, like one of those all-night events that we do? And I don't know why we do it. This is the best part of moving out of youth ministry into pastoring, to be honest. I mean, no more lock-ins. I'm telling you, if anybody ever tells me I got one day to live, let me spend it at a lock-in, y'all. It will last forever. Are they just, it's just awful. Um, but the thing about lock-ins, like you plan this all night of activity for kids. You know, D now, the tune-in weekend, that sort of thing here we do, it, it, it's fun. So you're in the middle of something, and I mean, you're, you put all this into it. You're out there at midnight eating pancakes or bowling or whatever it is you're doing at midnight, you know, dodgeball. And inevitably, in the middle of this big event that you planned, and, and, and you're supposed to be having fun, inevitably you have a kid who come up and asks the question that they're going to ask you all night long. And what is that question? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? You know, so at a lock-in, like, you're preaching, you're preaching the word, you know, and you're just really laying it out, and some kid will raise his hand, and you think he's going to ask, he's going to receive Christ, he's going to ask a question about Jesus, but you say, yeah, yeah, what's your question? Are we going to eat pizza when you're done preaching? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? They have this inability to focus and enjoy what's happening now because they're always concerned with what's going to happen next. And many of us live our lives this way. We're rather obsessed. We can't stop thinking about what's going to happen next. And always worrying about what happens next makes you miss what's happening now. And when it comes to God's will, you have to understand what God is asking you to do now. You don't worry about way down the road. You don't have to worry about that. You just, you just answer God and what he's saying to you right now and trust him with what's going to happen next. Understand? Focus on now. Trust God with what happens next. Because this is how it works. As I said, if you're worrying about way down the road, you'll get shut down with anxiety and fear. None of us knows what's happening way down the road. And if God showed us all of that, it would terrify us. That's why God typically just leads us one step at a time. He will always give you exactly what you need to know when you need to know it for the next step. There's always light enough to take one more step. Your problem is you don't know how to take a step. You just take one step. You don't worry about what happens three steps down the road. You just take the next step. You just say yes. So I don't understand this. I I know you people. I know some of you very, very well. You people never say no to nobody for nothing. I mean, you're like sitting ducks for every telemarketer in the world. Because if they get you on the phone, you won't hang up. You're just too polite. You'll just sit there and, and, and let them talk about aluminum siding. And you got a brick house. But you don't know how to say no. You know, you, just, you, you don't say no. You don't say no to the telemarketer. You don't say no to your kid when they want you to babysit every, every week. You, know, you, you never say no to anybody. So why is it so easy for you to say no to God? Why are you so quick to say no to God? Why don't you just say yes to him? Whatever he's asking you, this next step, you take that step. You, you just take it. 
Oh, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah said, verse 6, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. That's me and you right there, right? Right? It's not that we feel like we're too young. Some would say, I can't. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too old. Or, or I'm too busy. You know, or I, I, get, I, I get nervous in front of a crowd. In other words, once God asks us what he wants to ask us, we start making him excuses why we can't. And I'm telling you, don't give him reasons why not. You just obey. Don't give him reasons why not. You, you, you just obey. This is how it works. And when we talk about the 2020 vision, this is how it, it works. When you say, I don't know how to plug into that. I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm not going to be a church planter. Most of us aren't going to be a church planter. You want to know the, the most hilarious part of it? I'm not a church planter. When God gave me the 2020 vision for our church, understand I'm not a church planter. I'm never going to plant a church. I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. I don't see that far down the road. But, but God's called me to be the pastor of one church, Woodburn. Been here 21 years. I expect to be here 50 more years or something. I mean, I don't see myself planting a church. And, and, and so understand, we're going to plant churches, but most of us are never going to plant a church. So it's not going to work like that. It's going to work in more everyday ways. You doing what God asks you to do every day, and I'm going to do what God asks me to do every day. And somehow, when all of that comes together, when that web of obedience but begins to, to do its work. The effect of that is that something like 20 churches will be planted because lots and lots of people are going to get saved. Lots and lots of souls are going to come to Jesus because of our obedience. This is how it works. It, it's how it's worked from the very beginning. I guess our very first journey into church planting was with the, the Hispanic ministry here in Warren County, a church called Nueva Vida. It was a church plant probably 12 or 15 years ago when it started. A man named Jimmy White in our church went to the Warren Association of Baptist Meeting, and our church wasn't planting any churches then, understand. But Jimmy went to the Warren Association of Baptist Meeting. They started talking about Nueva Vida and the desire to plant a church for all of the Hispanic families moving into Warren County, and, and Jimmy made sure that our church was going to be a part of that. He came back to our church and led us to support that financially. So honestly, that's the first step in 2020 vision right there, and Jimmy White caught it first. And for a long time, he continued to make sure that our church would support that church plan. And it was a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing that he did. He had it before the rest of us. Because there were years when we look at the budget and think, I'm not sure we can afford to be supporting that church plan up there in Warren County. And Jimmy said, no, we made a promise, and Jimmy held us to it. It's a little step of obedience. Jimmy going to a Monday night meeting at the Warren Association. Who wants to do that? Have y'all been to associational meetings? I said lock-ins last forever. Associational meetings last twice as long. <laughs> Jimmy went to the meeting to represent our church, came back with a word for our church that led us into the 2020 vision. You see how it works? It's a man going to a meeting. It's It's, it's obedience. Eric Walker was pushing a mop bucket uh, up and down the, the, the floors there at New Mather Metals. He was a janitor at a factory. Y'all know Eric Walker? But God put this, this desire in his heart to be a pastor, to, to be a preacher. But, but how in the world do you get out from behind a mop bucket and behind a pulpit? How does that even work? Eric had no idea. For a while, he started using his own money. And he would rent a room at one of the hotels down there in Franklin and, and open up on Sunday for church. The problem is nobody would come. 
One Sunday, Eric drove in with his wife and his daughter in the car. When they walked into that room that he had rented, there was nobody there but Eric, his wife, and daughter. Y'all know Eric? They had church. They had church. He preached to his wife and daughter. They got back in the car, and his daughter said, Daddy, I don't like that church. (laughs) And Eric said, Honey, I don't either. It's obedience. It's obedience. God, working through this church, God, working through Eric Walker. Understand, he, he got to trade that mop bucket for a pulpit. Franklin Community Church, now you guys, is an amazing, amazing work of God. It's obedience. It's personal, everyday kinds of obedience. Jack Wright was walking up the sidewalk at church on a Wednesday night, and I had this weird, weird idea, but I felt it was from the Lord that our church should be involved in work in Indonesia, pertaining to clean water first off, and then church planting. So I hadn't said a word to anybody about it, but Jack Wright was walking up the sidewalk one Wednesday night, and I said, Jack, I need to talk to you about something this week. I'll give you a call. He said, what's it about? I said, it's about two things. It's about clean water in Indonesia. Jack said, yes. And he meant it. He meant it. It's kind of in that moment, a lot of things came together for you right there, Jack. And on that sidewalk right there, uh, your uh, expertise as as an engineer, your love for Indonesian people, uh, love for missions, it all came together. And all Jack had to hear was Indonesia, clean water, yes. I said, well, I'll explain it to you. We'll talk. I'll, I'll take you lunch. He said, yes. Yes. It's just yes. Something. Kelly Lawrence had no idea when he said yes and took the first trip to Honduras that he'd be coming back home eventually and getting his wife on an airplane at all. Y'all know Trisha didn't fly? Do y'all remember the first time she flew to Honduras, they had to drug her? Like, you know, totally, you know, drug her, you know, drag her out, you know. And, I mean, she had to be sedated to fly. Isn't that funny? But they went to Honduras out of obedience, and eventually they found out that that's where their hearts were. So they came back. They sold their business. They left their lives here and moved down there. They bought the orphanage. Now they planted a church, Senderos de Fate. You understand how that works? It's just Kelly Lawrence. Y'all, he still speaks Spanish with a southern accent. I don't even know. <laughs> How, I mean, but you can hear it when he's talking, you know, uh, buenos dias, amigos, you know, it's just the funniest thing ever, y'all, I'm not kidding, it's, just, it's worth it to go down there just to hear, you know, Gomer speak Spanish, it's, it's so much fun. Amy and Nick Oliver had gone to Haiti, uh, on the trip in Haiti, they crossed paths with a man named Manuel who was translating for them, but also had this giant heart to plant a church. And when he started speaking to Anuel, uh, Amy and Nick started understanding that this must be a call for us as well. They started coming back to us saying, listen, you've got to meet this guy. You've got to know this guy. He's got to be our next planter. Do you understand how all of this works? It's just God's people in, in everyday ways, doing everyday things, just taking the next step that God asked them to do. And somehow when all of these pieces come together, people get saved and, and, and churches get planted. Journey Church is now a couple of months old down in Bowling Green. And, of course, we know that God had planted that, that desire in Matt and Dawn's hearts to plant the church years and years and years ago. But, but you know what else? And this is the, the piece of it that most of you may not understand. Folks in our church had started volunteering on Thursday nights up at Curbside Ministries over in Bowling Green. 
And they just fell in love with the children there, and they fell in love with the community there. So when it was time to plant a church, understand, there was already a great number of people in our church that said, we know where we want to go. We know where the church needs to be. God had put that in their hearts. It, It wasn't, at first, a step to plant a church, at least not in their minds. It was just a willingness to go on Thursday nights and volunteer and help kids. But, but a church got planted out of that. You see what I'm saying? It's just our obedience, our, our daily, everyday obedience. And it's not just that church planting is the only thing getting done around here. There's much, much more that happens as we are obedient. There are all kinds of ways that God works in our lives, in our families, in, in, in this community, in this very church. Woodburn Baptist Church has been the most blessed church of all of these churches. You understand? Just because of our obedience, just because of the pleasure of being in a place where God is at work, it, it's a marvelous, marvelous thing. Just obedience. You just do what God's asking you to do next. Trust Him with what happens after that. You're going to be my prophet. God says to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as my prophet. Jeremiah says, I, I, I can't talk. I can't speak. I'm too young. Nobody's going to listen to me. I, I can't do that. What does God say? Verse 9, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Notice the verb tense there. It's not, I will put my words in your mouth. Now listen, boy, you're going to have to go to seminary. You're probably going to have to study biblical languages, probably Greek and Hebrew. Now study a lot of Old Testament, New Testament. Take a few administration classes. And then I will put my words in your mouth when they put a diploma in your hand. No, no, no. It's, it's past tense. I've already done this, God says. I formed you. And when I formed you, I knew what you were going to be. I knew what the purpose was. I'm not surprised by this. This isn't something I haven't thought through. It's not like God, you know, Jeremiah says, I'm too young and I can't speak. And God says, oh, yeah, what? I was thinking you were already out of school. God knows Jeremiah. No. Jeremiah says, I can't speak. And God says, no, you don't understand. I've already put my words in your mouth. Everything you need to do what I've called you to do, you've already got it. It's already there. I've already provided it. There's not any waiting for it. It's just opening your mouth and letting the words come out. The words are there. And that's exactly how it is every time God asks us to do anything. God always provides everything that is necessary to do everything he wants us to do. We're never going to be left standing here empty-handed, empty-mouthed, empty pockets. We're never going to be empty when we're stepping out to do what God wants us to do. He's going to make sure that we have everything we need. I've already put the words in your mouth. The words are there, the Lord says. They've always been there. Now it's time to speak. So it's like this mass calling of him right now. God is calling every single one of us. Now, the, the thing is, he's going to call us all differently. He's not going to call me to do the very same thing he's calling you to do. If we were both called to do the same thing, one of us would be unnecessary. He formed you. He formed you. He he handmade you. He tailor-made you for his purpose. And only God really knows everything he's put in you. And you don't even know yet everything he's put in you. You trust him. 
You, you trust him. And if he asks you to speak, you just speak knowing that he's put the words already. If he asks you to go, you just go knowing that he's going to move your feet. If he asks you to give, you just give, understanding he's going to provide for you. If he asks you to witness, you just witness, understanding he's going to give you the courage. You just do what he's asking you to do. Don't give him reasons why not. Because this vision that we all have together, it depends upon us as individuals. You know, if there's such a thing as a, as a corporate vision, we're, we're always individual people. We make up the church. Very honestly, in a few years, if we are celebrating the success of the 2020 vision, it will be because of God's power and it will be because of our obedience. We'll have to be obedient. And, and if in a few years we're disappointed because we haven't met uh, the, the purpose, if we haven't gotten to the place where we felt like God wanted us to be, well, it's not going to be because God didn't show up with power. It would only be because we didn't manage to show up with obedience. A mass calling event right now. God is calling you, asking you, setting you apart for a purpose. It's not a new thing. He's always planned it. Maybe just now everything's lining up for you to take that next step. What's he asking you to do? What is he calling you to do? Whatever he asks of you, do it. Let's pray. God, sometimes hearing your voice is difficult. Sometimes, Lord, in my own life, I've had to listen for days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes even years before I felt like I heard your word. Sometimes, Lord, listening is hard. Most of the time, Lord, listening is not the hard part. O obeying is the difficult part. At the point where we've heard and now we have to speak. Or now we have to turn loose. Now we have to move. Now we have to give. Now we have to say goodbye, Lord. At the point where hearing turns into obedience, Lord, that is the place where many of us just simply stop following you. But, Lord... We want to follow you. We want to realize every purpose that you have for this church, Lord. We want to realize every purpose that you have for our lives. We don't want anything at all that you've placed in us to go unused, untapped, uncelebrated. Whatever you place in us, Lord, we, we want you to bring it out. We want you to put us in the situation, Lord, where we have to show up with obedience and we get to see you show up with power, Lord, and we begin to use gifts that have never even been fanned to flame before because we've never been in the situation of obedience. Lord, it seems like at times you're calling on this church to do an awful lot. It seems like we are doing more than our fair share. Lord, it seems like at times we're giving more than, than any church could possibly continue to give over time. It seems like, Lord, we're sending more and more of our people out to the point where we need to bring some back. Lord, it, it seems like the church is paying a, a very high price to, to follow you, Lord, toward this vision. 
So, Lord, just help us to trust you. Help us to know, Lord, that you will never ask us to do anything that you're not going to provide everything necessary for. And Lord, as we send one another out, as we say goodbye, as we send people off into places where they stand at great risk, at great danger, Lord, protect them and bless them. We ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Give us courage. Give us a willingness to obey. Lord, we're the kind of people that say yes to everything and everybody, Lord. So don't let us stand in this house today and say no to you. Whatever you ask, Wherever you send us, wherever you lead, we will go. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.